Hey everybody, I'm Pastor Jeff Dawes, lead pastor here at Stockbridge Community Church. And I just want to say thank you for listening to our podcast today. I hope this message inspires you and encourages you. Enjoy today's message. not speaking to anybody's past today. Everything that I share with you today is not about anyone's past. It's about your future because every time that we start talking about these issues or things that are in our life that are real, then if everybody starts thinking about, oh, I wish I had done that in my past. We, you know, God can't change your past. Do you know that? So you can't change it. I can't change it. So today we're going to say from this point forward, and again, uh, I think that, you know, all the children have been removed out of the room because today we're going to hear the word sex in church. Oh, somebody's like, woo! <laughs> we're going to talk about this, um, and we're gonna, I'm going to say that word many times today because someone say, well, Pastor, why are you talking about this? Because God created it, and the world has perverted it. Amen, everybody? And the world is speaking very loud to our children about it. And so today it's time for the church to learn the truth about it, that we can speak to our children, we can speak to our family, and then God can speak to us. And so I just want to tell you that this message is going to hit me, it's going to hit you, it's going to hit everybody. So there is not one person that's going to leave this room today that's not going to go, oh, okay, yeah, that, that's speaking to me. Look at this picture that's coming up on the screen. Do you recognize that guy? I remember watching when this uh, show Springer come on, I remember thought, okay, it's a talk show. I heard all the buzz about it and how it's crazy. I don't know. Is it, I don't even know if it's still on or not. Is it still on? I don't know. It reruns. Yeah. But it's where the worst of the worst. I mean, people come in with all kinds of issues. I mean, it was like, you know, that, that they said, okay, we're going to do this big reveal, and, and they would actually have to have bodyguards on the stage because people get in fights and so forth, and I think they paid them more if they fought. But uh, anyways, it was, it's crazy because what would be revealed is that, you know, uh, this guy was sleeping with this, his girlfriend's sister or something like that as well with her, and, and how that, you know, maybe or she was with his brother or, or, with, or with their father or mother. It was crazy. I mean, are you, are you, it was crazy. Do you agree with that? It was nuts. And this, you know, as I read the Bible through every year, I was reading this year, and it struck me that God was very familiar with Springer. <laughs> very, very familiar with Springer. Because as I begin to read through Leviticus, I want you to listen to what God listed off about what we should not do because we needed to know what not to do. And so when it comes to sex, he said this. He said, you know, first of all, he made it clear that it was to, it was to be in the context of marriage. And this is biblical marriage between a man and a woman. And this is what he says. He says, do not have sexual relations with your mother, <laughs> with your stepmother, sister, daughter, or granddaughter, aunt, daughter-in-law, brother's wife, unless he dies, mother and her daughter at the same time, a neighbor, neighbor's wife, same-sex relationships you should not have, with animals you should not have, and do not sacrifice your children to the God of Moloch. God just went there. He listed everything. 
I mean, he, he called out. He went through detail to detail to detail because God said, okay, there's going to be a Springer generation that's going to come up. And ours is not the first Springer generation. This has been all through history. The only problem with this is that every, every society that embraced the Springer generation declined. It's amazing how when your morality begins to go out the window, your, your debt goes up. <laughs> you ever notice that our national debt's at like $28 trillion right now? You become indebted. And, and so God, after he, he lays all this out, look what else he says in Leviticus. He says, here we go, Le, uh, Leviticus 18, he says, Whoever commits any of these detestable sins will be cut off from the community of Israel. So obey my instructions. Do not defile yourselves by committing any of these detestable practices that were committed by the people who lived in the land before you. And here's why. Here it is. I am, say it with me, everybody, I am the Lord your God. So that's it, is that the people, that, the land that the, the children of Israel, that Jewish people were going to be taking, God knew that those people in that land, they lived the Springer lifestyle. And that God said that the reason that you don't is because you're my people. That's the only reason why is it because you're my people. And it goes back to the very beginning, you know, with Adam and Eve. When In the beginning with Adam and Eve, we find out that there was the Garden of Eden where everything was perfect. And God said, in that garden, there's, there's two trees. There is a, there is a, there's a tree of knowledge of good and evil that you should not touch. And then there is another tree. Look what it says in Genesis 2 and 9. It says this. And the Lord God made all kinds of trees grow out of the ground, the trees that were pleasing to the eye and good for food. In the middle of the garden, there were the tree of life and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. You see what I'm saying? Right there, there was a choice. God, there was all these good things, and there was this one tree that God said, don't touch. It was called, the tree of good and the evil was called the forbidden fruit. Don't take that forbidden fruit. Whatever you do, God said, don't touch that. But I'd like for you to take this tree of life and you can live forever. So what I want to tell you is that when it comes to, to sex, is that there is the forbidden and there is the life-giving. Just like those two trees in the garden. And today I have two products right here on the table with me. This is Clorox, everybody. And, uh, you know, if you drink Clorox, what's, Clorox, what's going to happen? You're going to die, right? And then if you drink this, this is water, and uh, this is life-giving. So if you drink this, you're going to live, right? And so today, I have the choice before me. I can either sip a little Clorox and hope that I live, and I may can take a little bit and live for a little while, but if I keep ingesting Clorox, I'm going to what? Die. die. But if I'll just continue to stay over here on the life-giving, I'm going to live. And so God was saying that was true from all humanity, from the tree of good and evil to the tree of life, is that you get to choose the tree you're going to live, you're going to live by. And if we choose in our in sex, if we choose to, to forbidden, then eventually we're going to die. And all of us have experienced death because of that, because of somebody that stepped out. Relationships die when we step out of bounds with marriage, right? And the, you know who dies the most when we step out of bounds with marriage? He said, don't say sacrifice your children to the God of Moloch. The God of Moloch was a, a God that people believe that if they sacrificed their children on the altar of God of Moloch, that he would bless them financially. 
And so people would take their children and they would actually sacrifice them. I say, here, and they would kill them right there, believing that they would be blessed financially. How have we as a nation begun sacrificing our children, believing that we're going to be blessed? And so what we find out is that the children always pay the price when we step out of lines sexually. Amen? They always pay the price. Abortion right now is, is huge. But abortion is not just, a, it's not just a, a woman's problem. It is a marriage problem. Amen? Amen? We can say, well, you know, it's a, it's a woman's right. Well, why should she be put in that position? If it had not been for the man that ran out on her, that slept with her, she wouldn't be there. Amen, Amen everybody? And so if we solve the marriage issue, abortion issue goes away. A lot of crime goes away. There's so many things in our culture that goes away when we get the family dynamic right. Amen? Amen. And so that's why we got to talk about it today. And I hope today that you blush a little bit as our conversation goes. All right. So let's talk about forbidden sex, life-giving sex. Let's talk about it. Because God's word is so clear on it. The first thing I would tell you about the forbidden is this, is sexual lust is a forbidden. Jesus chimed in on this. As a matter of fact, you know, I listed out all those sexual sins that he says in Leviticus, but the Bible continues and wraps all that up in one word, uh, two words. He called it sexual immorality, and it's all through the scripture. And even Jesus chimes in on this one. Look what he says. He says in Matthew 5, he said, But I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her where, everybody? In his heart. So i gotta, I got to clear this up. Noticing somebody that's attractive is not lust. God just did a little better with some people than he did with others. Amen? <laughs> and I am not blind and neither are you. Right? Come on, somebody. So it's not noticing that somebody's good looking, all right? It's not noticing that at all. When it, when it comes to lust is that when you begin to fantasize doing something sexually with that person, that's when it turns into lust, all right? And, and so when I first got saved, I, I didn't know that. And I just, I remember going up to my youth pastor saying, man, I can't do that. I can't live this life. He's like, what's wrong, Joe? I was like, I'm lusting all the time. He said, no, Jeff, you're a teenage boy. That's what you are. <laughs> and he explained this to me. But something's happened in our culture. We've had grown a culture of lust, and it shows up in pornography. Porno I want to talk to you about this just a minute with pornography. Pornography is something that steals who you really are and natural desires. I want to say it this way. I, I wrote it down that pornography is the forbidden I would say that pornography is forbidden lust that kills the idea of sex being respectful, honoring, and life-giving. Did you hear that? Pornography kills that idea that sex is to be respectful, honoring, and life-giving because it perverts it all, and it says it's all about you. It's the cheap thrill. It is amazing to me as we talk about pornography, is this is what I've become to understand, that the majority of children today are getting their sex education through pornography. Did you hear that? 
the average age is 10 years old that, that children are, are, are subjected to pornography. And listen, if they've got a phone, they have the potential for porn in their pocket. And so the reason that we have to talk about this is because our children do not understand. They do not know. And everything that they're learning about sex is what they're seeing through porn. And porn is people that are paid to do hideous things. That's not natural. It's they're being paid to do those hideous things, all those things. And our children think that's natural, and it's not natural. And it's killing this generation. Our counselors are full of children that are so messed up because they got a hold of pornography. Amen? And so we have to talk about it. We have to talk to our children. Now, what's amazing to me is, with this is, is that uh, pornography is like a drug. Matter of fact, it's as bad as alcohol are drugs because you have to keep having more and more and more of it. it has to keep getting harder and harder and harder in order that you may keep getting the high. And so what I just want to say to you today is this, is that, you know, that we have to continue to keep our guard up, especially with our children. We have to keep the guard up. And so understanding pornography. Now, let me tell you this about pornography. Pornography is like dessert. You know, is that if you eat cookies all day, you may get satisfied or, uh, uh, you know, your taste buds may get satisfied, but you will lose your taste for the real. Did you hear that? If you, if you eat junk food, if you eat cookies all day, you know, it may seem good in the moment, but you're going to get sick if you keep doing that. You know, you're going to have all kinds of diseases pop up in your life and you're going to die. So what your mother said was true. The snack does ruin your appetite for the real. And what we've got a culture of today is that people don't know what the real is because the appetite has been so ruined with pornography. Amen, everybody? And so I just want to challenge you today is that that's why the, is that if you noticed this, all right, let's just get a little laugh in. Have you ever noticed with me that how the, all the enhancement drugs are geared toward younger people? <laughs> why is that because their mind has been so twisted that the real doesn't do it anymore it's got to be way out there and so they've lost their natural desires because their brain has reworked itself to only desire that and it has to be worse and so that's why it's like okay well i gotta have some help here okay let's just move on all right <laughs> job 31 and 1 says this I made a covenant with my eyes not to look lustfully at a girl. I made that covenant. Have I always kept that covenant? No. It's a struggle. It's every, it used to say it's every man's battle. Now it's not just men's battle anymore. It's everyone's battle. And so I want to give you a secret of what I do. Every day I wake up, and you know, we talk about those core four. We say at the end of our service, it says, I am a Christian. I, I, I say those out loud every day. But I've also added some to that. And one that I've added is this, is that I am a godly person who does not look at ungodly things. Every day I say that to myself. Every day. Why? Because the battle's real every day, isn't it, everybody? Every, it's real every day. I mean, it's like in your face every day. And every day I say, get up and I declare that, you know, I, the first one I declare is I'm a follower of Jesus who honors God with my life. I'm a husband who's passionate about my wife. I say that every day. 
every day. And I also say I'm a godly person who does not look at ungodly things. Every day I declare that over me. And I want you to declare it too. So on the back of your connection card, it says, I will declare daily out loud, I am a godly person who does not, who does not look at ungodly things. Would you check that box? We, need to, we want to pray over you. Okay, so again, it's the, it's the forbidden, forbidden word versus life-giving. And so let's, let's talk about some life-giving now. Here we go. Life-giving is this, is look only to your spouse for sexual satisfaction. The room is quiet as it can be. <laughs> Proverbs 5, 5 and 18, look what he says. Let your, wife, let, uh, let your wife be a fountain of blessing to you. Rejoice in the wife of your youth. She is a loving deer, a graceful doe. doe. Let her breast satisfy you always. May you always be, what? Captivated. Captivated by her love. What is he saying? There we go. Now I'm getting somewhere. That's right. What is he saying? You're going to steer to where you stare. It's hard. It's hard. Listen, your wife already feels like she's competing with everybody. And ladies, not just, not just uh, ladies, but men also feel like they're competing. So this goes for ladies too. Is that you keep your eyes at home. And so that means that, you know what, that means that sometimes you, you don't let your feed feed you. Amen, everybody? Amen. Yeah, yeah you're, not, you're not tracking. When your eyes are only for your spouse, you ain't got time to be checking on those old high school classmates. Hello, everybody? No, 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 no. No, you, your eyes are on her and on him. And, and that's the way it is, is that, you know, you got to think those thoughts toward them. If you want to be attracted for them, you got to get quit thinking about those people and start thinking about them. That's what, the, that's what he's saying, is that you're going to steer to where you stare. We're talking about the forbidden versus life-giving. And that's how you bring life to your relationships. Okay, let's go back to the forbidden. Forbidden is sex outside of marriage. Look what he says in Hebrews 13 and 4. Honor what, everybody? Look at me, everybody. Honor marriage. You honor the people that are married. There's a reason I wear a wedding ring is because I want to remind myself today that I am to honor my marriage. And any time that you see someone with a ring, you should honor that person that they are married. That's right. It doesn't matter how good looking they are or how appealing they are, is that they are married. Amen. And how, shame on you if you take your ring off and put it in your pocket when you go in certain places. Amen. Okay, Jeff, you're preaching now. Keep it up. <laughs> Honor marriage and guard, look, guard the sacredness of sexual intimacy between wife and husband. God draws a firm line against casual, illicit sex. Why? Because God says, I created it in any sex, no matter, no matter how good the Hollywood makes it look and no matter how this YouTuber makes it look, it doesn't matter. If it's outside the bonds of a man and a woman, it's wrong. And that's God's line on it. Look, studies show that over 80% of couples who live together before they get married end up in divorce. 80%. So this thing about, I got to try it out before I buy it. <laughs> Pastor, you don't, you don't buy a car without trying it out. How many times have I heard, you don't buy a car without trying it out? How many times have I heard that? 
I just want to punch them right in the mouth. <laughs> because let me just tell you something. You, you, would, you would never buy a car when you go, you go to the car lot and you look, and that car looks so good. I mean, it's new. And you get in it and you test drive it, and all of a sudden the car is hopping and jumping and skipping and all this stuff. It looks good. But the ride is not so good. It'll get you from point A to point B, but the ride is not so good. You would never buy that car. And let me just tell you something. When you hop in the bed before you get married, you're taking a ride. It might look real good, and it might get you from point A to point B, but you're not getting a full ride. You see, when you choose to become bedmates before you choose to become soulmates, you can never, ever make the connection. You know why? Because sex messes it up. Why? Because before you start to have a real good argument and, you know, you get the stuff out you need to get out, no, somebody will say, well, let's just go to bed and make it right. And going to bed does not make it all right. Amen. It just, it's like, it's like a numbing to what the real problem is, and you never get to the real problem, everybody. And that's why God says, no, you work your stuff out before you come together with your stuff. Mm-mm-mm. I have a friend who was living with his girlfriend, his, wife, uh, his girlfriend a long time before they got married. And this is what he said to me. He said, we never had the intimacy of marriage. Of, of, we never had the intimacy of married people until we had the security of marriage. You, you, you're not going to get the full deal. How many times have I done weddings and after the wedding was over, the couple had lived together a long time. And I can't tell you how many times the girl, the young ladies come to me and she said, I feel like something's off my shoulders. She can never really give herself to you as long as she thinks that you're going to leave her. So you can't have great sex without a great commitment. Everybody, I want some great sex. Well, you're never going to have it until you have a great commitment. And that great commitment is called marriage. And let me tell you about that great theologian, Beyonce, that said, if you want it, you ought to put a ring on it. <laughs> We're talking about the forbidden or the life-giving. You choose. Which one are you going to drink? Let's look at life-giving. Sex inside the covenant of marriage. Here we go. Notice that Genesis 22 says this. Notice the first, would you notice the first three words? Let's say them out loud. You ready? Come on. The man said. That means that Adam is speaking up. God has just, God has put him to sleep, took a rib out of his side, and created this woman, and he's seen her for the first time, and all of a sudden, this is what Adam says. He says, this is now bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. Yabba dabba do. <laughs> she shall be called woman because she ain't like me. She's got things I don't have. <laughs> okay, there, we're going to keep moving on. For she was taken out of man for this reason. Adam said, for this reason. Oh, because she is so fine. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united. That means they're going to be intimate together. Be united to his wife, and they will become one flesh. And notice what the Bible says. is that the man and his wife were naked and not ashamed. They felt no shame. In other words, 
God didn't look over and say, what's going on in the bushes over there? He didn't say that. God blessed it. And Adam and Eve, when they was with each other, there was no shame. That's the great thing about marriage is that when you're, when you're intimate with each other in marriage, there should be no shame, no guilt. The one thing I hear all the time about people who are outside of marriage is the guilt, how the guilt rids them the whole life. And that's why I said I'm speaking to your future and not your past, everybody. Amen. We're talking about forbidden Versus what, everybody? Life-giving. So you get to choose. It's your choice, the tree of life. Here we go. Let's look at the forbidden again. Withholding sex as a weapon. Woo! This is straight up tough right here. 1 Corinthians 7, 5. Do not deprive each other except by mutual consent and for time. Now, here's the only time you should withhold. Look at it says. So that you may devote yourself to prayer. Then come together again so that who? Satan Satan will not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. What I want to say to you is here is when you purposely deprive, Satan arrives. When you purposely deprive, Satan arrives. This is an issue that we have to talk about. It reminds me of a guy that I read of who said that he felt that his wife was depriving him. So he decided he'd come home one night. He said, honey, how you doing? She said, oh, I'm doing so good. I'm doing good. And so he reaches in his pocket. And he has two Advil. And he reaches over and he hands her, goes to hand her these two Advil. She says, what's wrong? He said, no, this is for your headache. She said, honey, I don't have a headache. He said, gotcha. <laughs> gotcha. Now, what I want to say about this, this is, listen to this. If there's a reason, if there's a hurt, you need to seek help, help through counseling to get beyond that hurt. If there's a physical need, if there's something that there's a physical reason that you cannot, you should go to the doctor and try the very best to get this resolved. Because I'm telling you, The enemy will use this, and you should. You say, well, I'm embarrassed to talk about that. Well, let me tell you something. It's better to drop your pride and be embarrassed that you can be be the couple that you want to be. Amen, everybody? Amen. Amen. That is good stuff. Just give God a hand for that. Amen? The last one is this. It's life-giving. Remember, we're talking about the forbidden Versus life-giving. You get to choose. And here it is. The last one is making love. Making love. First Corinthians. You're wondering what in the world you going to say about this. I know I can hear you. First Corinthians 7, 3. The marriage bed must be a place of mutuality. The husband seeking to satisfy his wife and the wife seeking to satisfy her husband. Now, what I want to say here is this, that we have so romanticized sex that we think that we think that we've got to feel like we're on cloud number nine before we even get in the mood. But notice that he didn't say he didn't. We don't call it, you know, after we don't call it feeling like 
sex or feeling like love, we call it making love. In other words, there's some, there's some part of you that's not going to make a connection until you make a connection. What I'm trying to say about that is that you don't always feel like it. Sometimes you've got to do it before you feel like it. <laughs> Nobody's moving right there. Everybody's like, I ain't moving. I'm not saying it. Uh-uh. No, sir. Da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da. But I'm just, trying to, I'm just trying to say that. Listen, and in our culture today, our marriage is one of the greatest problems that we got after talking to so many people is that marriages are sexually, they're sex deprived. Why? Because everybody's so busy doing this, that, and the other, running here and there. They're so sex deprived. And so if you're waiting on a feeling, quit waiting. Just say, you know what? Hey, it's Friday night. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? I mean, like, if you got to put it on the calendar, put it on the calendar. Because there's something that happens when you come together that is life-giving. Now, I want to say this, say this to you. To satisfy your spouse, that's what it means. It means I don't always feel like it, but I'm willing to, to be with them. Now, let me just tell you something. There's going to be people that's going to run out of here today. They're going to, this, this message is going to be recorded and played more than any other I've given because, because there's so many of you that want to use it against your spouse. And let me just tell you something. If you walk out of here with that and you say, you know what? Well, he said you've got to be available to me all the time, and I like it about six times a week. Well, let me tell you something. You're an idiot. You are an idiot. Pastor Jeff, why are you saying all this stuff today? Because let me tell you something. God's the authority on sex. He created it, and the church has been quiet about it too long, and our kids are paying a price for it. Our marriages are falling apart. Our country's going straight to hell, and we've got to talk about it. There's a verse that I'm going to share with you. It's not on the screen. It's found in Matthew 16. Matthew 16 and 15. 13 through 15. Jesus, it's, it's, it's a place called Caesarea Philippi. And Jesus stands there with his disciples. Caesarea Philippi was, was actually the, the Las Vegas of Jesus' day. I mean, it was, it was perversion everywhere. You name it, it was there. And Jesus is with his disciples. And his disciples are looking at him. And as they look at him, they're seeing Caesarea Philippi. And Jesus asked this question in the middle of this crazy culture. He says, who do you say that I am? It's like they're looking at Jesus, but as they look beyond Jesus, they see that world back there. And so that's the question today. Why would I live this way when the world is living everything else? When the world is Springer, why would I do that? Because he's my Lord and Savior. He said, I am the Lord your God. That's why you don't live like that. That's why you do it differently. And that's why that Christian marriages that, that are functioning properly are the most satisfied, satisfied of all. Is because he's the Savior. The question that Jesus is asking you today is, who do you say that I am? You know what? And some say, well, some says Elijah, some said Jeremiah, but then Simon Peter piped up and said, no, 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 I'll tell you who you are. As he's looking at all that other stuff, no, you're the son of God. 
You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And notice what Jesus said. Jesus said this, Thou art Simon, and on this rock I'm going to build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against my church. In other words, when you're able to look at all this other stuff, all the forbiddenness all around you, but you choose that, no, you're the Savior, and I'm going to follow you. It's on that faith, on that faith that believes that Jesus is the Savior, no matter what the world is doing, and no matter what it says is okay, that you're not going there, that you're always going to go with Jesus. It's that kind of faith that will bring the miracles and will bring life change to your life, that will transform who you are, that will change your family tree. It's to pray. It's the God of glory. Amen. He's the Savior. Who do you say that he is? That's what we're talking about today. Who is he? Is he the Savior of your life? Is he the Lord of your life? Who is he? It's the tree of life and the tree of what you think is good but ends up being evil. You get to choose. Would you stand with me today? I've done my very best today. I have fought demons and, and all kinds of hellish things this week because as I prepared, the devil definitely did not want me to share this message. There's not a greater issue in all the world than this issue we just talked about. But today, we're going to sing this song. And what I want to remind you is this, is you keep looking to Jesus. And you keep choosing life in every situation. And even though it may not feel good right now, it will turn out for your good. Amen, everybody? Good doesn't always feel good. And bad doesn't always feel bad. Amen? As we begin to sing this song, in just a moment, I want you to say, God, I'm going to look to you. Would you pray, would, can I pray for you? And then they're going to come and sing. Heavenly Father, today I've done my best. God, and I've asked you, Holy Spirit, that you would reach down and you would touch everybody's heart. God, and those that are feeling guilt today, God, Lord, please help them put that out of their mind because that's the past. But God, right now is a moment that we choose life. And in this room, Lord, there's people that, God, that they don't have the upper hand because they don't have you in their life. So I pray right now that they would say, Dear Lord Jesus, come into my life and save me because I'm a mess. I need you to save me. Lord, I'm in so deep in some of these areas. I don't know how to change. Help me. Save me, Lord Jesus. God, as they cry out to you, God, you're going to hear their prayer. And God, you're going to do what they cannot do for themselves. And we just trust you today. Thank you, God, that our church just got better today. And our families just got better today, oh God. And Lord, that we're free to be who we are in you because we look to you. In Jesus' name I pray. Hi, this is Pastor Jeff again. I just want to say I hope you enjoyed today's message. If you would like to support God's work through Stockbridge Community Church, simply go to our website at secview.net. Again, that's secview.net and click the Give tab. We want to thank you again for being with us today. God bless you. Have a wonderful day.